You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by Ion Blue, providing 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Well, hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Nigel Morris. I'm the Business Development Manager from Solar Analytics and I'm your guest host for this week. We're here this week to talk about my favourite subject, electric motorcycles and even better, the electric Harley Davidson Livewire. In case you didn't know, I recently upgraded uh, my electric motorcycle for the third time in 10 years, in fact, and my latest latest choice of weapon, weaponry this time was the Harley-Davidson Livewire. I'm one of a small group of Livewire owners in Australia, about 25 or 30 of us, I believe, and recently discovered that my plans to set some long long distance records have already been beaten before I even got started. South Australian owner Duncan Mallord has been all over the press lately after setting a new distance record, riding 1,800 kilometres from Lake Eyre to Mount Kosciuszko. So I invited him in for a yarn. Duncan, welcome to The Driven. Yeah, hi Nigel. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, mate, let's. I'm going to start out with a congratulations. You, you've you've set an inaugural distance record for an electric motorcycle in Australia. You you rode from the lowest point to the highest point in the country, uh, and and having done some pretty big rides myself in the past, you also did well to sit in the saddle for a long, long time. <laughs> How did that feel? Uh, it, it was fantastic. Um, it was really good to actually get all the way through. Now I've done it once. It actually feels quite easy, amazingly enough. It's one of those. But uh, but a lot of planning, a lot of organisation, uh, and things do go a bit wrong. Um, but, yeah, no no major incidents, and, it, yeah, it went really well. Well, well done, mate. It's it's um, I, I'm insanely jealous and, and delighted that someone has got out there and, you know, set a, set a record for electric motorcycles in Australia. Long overdue. Well done. So... We'll get to your trip in a moment, but I wanted to start out with a few questions about you and your bike first. What made of, what motivated you to buy a live wire? Ah, uh, so so I've had a few Harleys, uh, and uh, and I watched uh, the live wire as it was being developed by Harley. I, it's just an amazing bike. I definitely see electric vehicles as uh, as critical uh, to this energy transition we're going through, uh, yeah. and helping to reduce climate change. And I wanted to be a part of that. Um, again, I, I struggled to just jump on and buy a Prius, but I love this live wire. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just so much fun. So it's amazing. I could get something that was satisfying my, my environmental, uh, conscience, uh, and, uh, and also be a lot of fun on the road. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, I, 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 it's a, it's a very common story. Once, uh, once people ride one, they, they, their kind of eyes light up. They get that big dumb grin on their head, and they go, "How do I, how do I own one of these things?" Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> good, good on you. So, um, in fairness, uh, the, 
the Livewire, fabulous bike as it is, and, and clearly you're in love with it as much as I am, it, it really wasn't built for ultra long-range touring. <laughs> no. So <laughs> let, let's talk about what it was like as a bike to do a long-range trip on. You know, was it comfortable? Did you have problems? Did you make modifications? No, Would you a, recommend it? <laughs> so so um, maybe a bit of background, though. So I've done some bigger trips using a Buell uh, Ulysses. So if people don't know oh. that, it's like an adventure tourer. And uh, yes. with a friend of mine, Rowan Chapman, we uh, we travelled from Adelaide up the Udna Data track and then down to Cooper Pedy. Um, and well, so I've done some larger larger trips like that. Um, the the live wire, but and I also I also commute every day. I do about uh, 170 k's a day, so I'm quite used to sitting wow. in the saddle. This, okay. This seat is a bit smaller, but it's not a sports bike. It's still really comfortable. You're you're, you're it's a fairly uh, sitting, you're sitting fairly straight up. You are yep. leaning over a little bit, but it's still comfortable. I didn't have a problem with comfort the whole journey. Um, and the bike has not been modified. It's 100% stock. Oh, except wow. for a little bit of Velcro to hold a, um, a lithium battery, you know, a battery pack to keep my phone charged up. And that's oh, it. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So no screens, no, uh, no, no, nothing. Did you carry much gear with you? No. So one of the issues, so we, I had a support vehicle. It was yep. part of uh, the requirements by Guinness World Records to um, have two observers along. So we got them set up. Uh, so I had the support vehicle, so I didn't have to carry any gear. Uh, the next trip I'm going to do it without. But um, yeah, so that made it a lot easier. I just had to wear my clothes. Uh, and the other nice thing with this charging regime, so you do between an hour and three hours, depending on what speed it is, and then you stop to charge up the bike. So yeah. it's not like I'm sitting in the saddle for three hours, quickly filling up and then jumping back on the bike for another three hours. Right. Um, you're getting that sort of break so you can stretch your legs, get a cup of coffee, and then you're back on it. So it's actually quite easy. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I've done a little bit of touring on mine, and I, I've quite enjoyed that part of it as well. You get to stop and breathe in for a bit in between, um, you know, riding. So I get where you're coming from there. So so let's let's talk about your trip for a minute. Uh, did, did Is this something you spent a, a, a long time thinking about and planning, <laughs> or did you just jump on and go one day? No, 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 no. definitely planning. <laughs> definitely planning. Um, I actually saw I'd, I'd got the bike um, and then couldn't ride it for a month because I had a, an incident with a with a kangaroo and that Buell I just mentioned. Oh. But then I got on it in, in January and was riding it around and I noticed an article um, in the States that Porsche had just set the lowest to highest, the greatest altitude change for electric vehicle in the States. And I thought, oh, that'd be fun. That was in a car. That'd be fun to do it on a motorbike. What's the, mm -hmm. what's the uh, lowest to highest? So it's Lake Air to Mount Kosciuszko. Yep. And then, um, then I realised that I had to get to Mount Kosciuszko before, before really May, uh, so it's not snowing. I didn't want to be doing that trip with snow around. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so then it was a, sort of a, a February to uh, May planning activity. Um, yeah. So yeah, quite a bit of planning, especially when it's the first one. You know, if you're doing a trip and you can look it up on the internet and get some advice and understand what you've got to do, but when it's the first one, there's no information out there. It, yeah. it takes a bit more organisation. Yeah, I bet. And you, and you had Guinness involved. Yeah, um, in about January, February this year, I, I saw an article in the States where Porsche just set the greatest altitude change for an electric vehicle. Uh, they started in a mine and went up to the top of Pikes Peak. Uh, that really got my interest, and I thought, oh, that would be fun to do here. Uh, and I looked up, and so obviously Lake Air 
is the lowest point in Australia and then up to Mount Kosciuszko. Uh, it's only about 2Ks, but I then went on to uh, the Guinness website and started looking. They don't have one for the electric motorcycle. So I approached them and said, uh, can I set this as a new one? And they said, yes. Uh, and then here's all the all the things you've got to do. But yeah, so it got registered with uh, the Guinness World Records. I've still got to submit the data to, uh, to actually get it confirmed. Uh, Brilliant. And that's a bit of a trick, but yeah. So you had a couple of guys in, in long white coats with stopwatches and, and clipboards in a van staring at you for days and days and days, right? This is this the picture you're painting for Yeah, me? yeah. No, so I, I got two people, and I do feel sorry for them having to follow me for five days, <laughs> watching and helping me out. But no, they were absolutely great. So one was a retired nurse, which I was really pleased about because you just don't know what's going to happen out on the road. And yeah. the, uh, the second one is a, a software engineer. Um, who's worked with GPS and stuff and could sign off all all of the reports for Guinness. So that's uh, Giles Gillison and Chris Kappa. They oh, were great. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, they've had a first first ever experience as well. No one's ever done what you did before, mate. That's, that's just awesome. Now, driving electric vehicles a long way is, is challenging on its own, right? Especially in Australia, where we don't have a lot of charging infrastructure. And if you're electric motorcyclists like you and I, you know, we've got smaller batteries now. So it's doubly challenging. And the, the live wire can, can DC fast charge. But if I'm not mistaken, mate, there aren't many DC fast chargers between Lake Eyre and Mount Kosciuszko, right? No, there's not many. There's not many at all. And well, certainly... Yeah, tell me, so tell me about your charging strategy. You know, how how did you plan this out, and and you know what did you do around charging? Yeah, so with with the fast charger, obviously these charging stations, it's only forty five minutes, so it's a it's a fairly quick charge. But the um, the slow charge, where we plug into two hundred and forty volts, takes sort of ten to twelve hours yep. duration. So um, so what I was doing was I'd do 100, 150 k's in the morning rock yep. up to a caravan park or an airbnb which i'd all booked in advance uh, or a motel uh charge it up for the day go off and do a bunch of tourist stuff get lunch you know it's just a really nice day and then i'll get on the bike at the end of the day do another 100 150ks um uh, arrive at the pub or the motel plug it in sleep the night and then in the morning do the net do it again um yeah it's an amazing now, way to travel that that blows my mind because, you know, I've done some big road trips in my past and, you know, trying to do seven, eight, nine hundred k's in a day on a motorcycle, it's possible. Younger men, uh, lots of younger, fitter men than me uh, continue to do it every single day, but it's uh, it's a hard way to travel. But what you're describing is a glorious way to ride, in my thinking. You sort of start off your day in the saddle and, you know, when the sun's coming up and the roads are nice and quiet, you get out there and then you, you, you get to stop and stretch your legs and take in the sights around you and then, you know, to finish the day off, jump on the bike, have another hour and a half, land at the pub, get a good feed, go to bed, start again the next day. Is that is that the plan? It, it's absolutely brilliant. I'm so glad you brought this up because most people talk about uh, the actual bike itself or the length of the trip, but actually the, the thing that Chris, Giles and me uh, and I think about most about the trip was how much fun we had during the day. You know, while the bike's charging yeah. up, uh, I mean, Uru. We went and visited Tank Hill, which is a hill with a tank, a magnetic hill, had pies. It was just, it was, it was just a really nice day. Um, uh, Copley had a great Kwandong pie and things like that. It's just, uh, uh, it's funny how that breaks up the trip. Um, a really pleasant way of doing it. It does sound like a pleasant way of doing it, and I have to say, you know. Um, 
you know, being like all electric vehicle owners go through this, where there are times where you can, you know, you maybe got to stretch the distance a little bit. So you're going to have to back off a little bit. And, and while that might be frustrating because you want to flog it senseless because there's a good road, I've had a number of experiences like this where I've gone, actually, I'm just sort of slowing myself down and I'm actually going to take in the scene around me I, I can you can kind of absorb what's going on a bit more and instead of you know rushing to get the, the the trip done as fast as you can you actually slow down and enjoy the journey a little bit more right yeah it, it's beautiful I mean, there's a thing when i talk to other people i know i'm just trying to get from a to b as fast as i can and that's missing the point now yeah. uh this journey uh was i mean when you're stopping somewhere you're talking with the locals people are coming up to talk about the bike uh yeah. you're finding out where the best coffee is in town not just the nearest one yeah. Stuff like that. It's, 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 a, it's a really nice way to travel. Oh, that's 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 brilliant. Uh, I think I think that is clearly the the perfect electric motorcycle touring strategy for a, especially for a guy my age. I'm gonna get that tattooed on me or something. Uh, <laughs> only rides for one hour in the morning and two hours at night or something. <laughs> yeah. Now you started in what what is a very remote part of Australia. I was looking on the map. It's like a quarter maybe nearly a third of the way across the entire continent for those international visitors about 700 k's north of adelaide right up in you know near deserts where people died in the 1800s trying to explore this great country we live in give me a sense of what the first few days of that trip were like duncan was it was it surreal sitting on an electric harley davidson driving across riding across the desert <laughs> it's it's absolutely beautiful no one else around uh, yeah. The quietness of the bike, um, yeah. it, it, it's amazing. So much space. It's a really beautiful country. Everyone that goes out back understands what I'm talking about here. So much space, so much beauty. Um, no people around uh, yeah. for for probably hundreds of miles in some cases. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's incredible. I, I'd it's, love to do it again. It's so spectacular out there. Um, the, the serenity and the space is, is just like nothing else, isn't it? Um, so, so no, just to interrupt there, that, that serenity part, that's where these electric motorbikes make a massive difference. Um, that quietness just just makes the whole trip even better. Now, I was going to ask you about that because it's a question that every electric motorcycle owner gets asked. Don't you miss the sound? And and you're an ex-Harley guy. And, you know, I've owned all sorts of bikes in my time, some that made a fair bit of noise. And, and you know, there's an evocative emotion uh, that, you know, the noise of a big V-twin particularly brings out and, and it brings memories out and it brings all these emotions out and all those kinds of things. But I don't miss the sound at all. Uh, and 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 you're and you're an ex Harley guy. Do you miss that sound? How do you, how do you reconcile that in your head? So so you know what? At times I miss the sound. It'd be nice just to cruise around the town and have the the big fat pipes. But for a journey like that, absolutely no way. Um, yeah. I'd never yeah. want to have a loud motorbike to do this sort of long distance stuff. Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so much better. You don't. I think I heard you on another podcast, and we were talk, you were talking about how long you miss it for. It's not long uh, no. before you stop missing <laughs> that noise. <laughs> yeah, it starts to become an advantage pretty quickly uh, right. after a while. I reckon. Yeah. All right. So you're you're a couple of days in. You you you've got the serenity. You're, you're absorbing the the beautiful sounds of silence and just hearing the wind 
passing through, and I'm, I'm, I've been looking at the map and working out, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you would have passed through my old hometown of Peterborough, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you had to stop in Peterborough. Uh, where did you, did, did you get, did you stop and charge in Peterborough? No, 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 I didn't. No, it was just no. a pass-through. Yeah, pass-through. So, so, yeah. Okay, so you, you've missed an opportunity. There's a wonderful <laughs> motorcycle museum there that needs at least three or four hours. So next trip, make that a charge stop, and you can go to the motorcycle museum there. Um, but you, you've gone through Peterborough. You're heading down through that that beautiful winding road through there. You're starting to get to the the sort of Riverland and Winery District, right? Um, how was the bike starting to? You know, you, you you kind of would have been in your groove after a few days, and you're into these lovely big sweeping curves. How was it being on the Harley in that territory? It's beautiful. So these these big roads, it just. It, it just swallows up. It's just so smooth. The bike is so smooth. It's a lot smoother than obviously most Harleys as well, yeah. uh, but most bikes. Um, it's just beautiful to sit on. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and it handles really nicely on these roads. Yeah. 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 I, I can I can only imagine with my experience, you know, it'd be a dream to be going through those mountain roads. I know them quite well. From when I lived in South Australia, and so listen, I mean, the bike is 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 a great bike, and and you know it's really fun to, to you know treat it like a sports bike. It'll ride quite nicely like a sports bike. But how were you treating the bike in terms of the way you were riding it? Did you did you have to hypermile it, or were you just flogging it senseless? What did you? How did you adjust your 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 riding behaviour to to make this trip possible? Well, I do like riding it. Um a little bit fast and so there's some legs yeah having a, a really good time but the interesting thing about this is that there were some legs where i had to reach sort of 180 or 200 k's uh wow. to get between stops and that's so that's, push, all... that's pushing the live wire pretty hard <laughs> yeah yeah so that's all about going a lot slower so i would start off if i could at about sort of 60 k's an hour until my range on the bike was showing a lot further than the distance on my gps and then i would start picking it up again so it just depended on the legs some legs cruising along nicely some legs having a lot more fun and some legs are really watching that uh that range yeah 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 because we, we you didn't do it you didn't have any screens or anything else like that so your your adjustment was all about just adjusting the speed because they the the, the it's range is directly proportional to speed particularly on electric bike right yeah yeah totally um it's all about that wind resistance and you, you're you're taking up a, you're blocking the wind a lot more on a bike compared to the slippery car yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And so, windscreen, yeah. was this part of your planning process? You know, did you did you geek it out and have spreadsheets and calculate all that stuff, or were you just working it out as you went? Tell me, tell me how you planned that. Yeah, yeah. So I work for an engineering company. I'm an engineer. Uh, I definitely went into spreadsheet mode before <laughs> setting off on this. Um, I spent time uh, riding my bike just at 60 k's an hour to see what range I could actually get out of it, um, ah. and also at 100 and 110 up on another road. Yeah. Um, I uh, also went to, uh, I timed the charging at home uh, to see whether that was linear and also on two different fast charges to nice. see how linear uh, the charging was. Because if it wasn't and there was a faster charge earlier on, I'd probably not charge up the bike fully and yep. then move on to the next one and do it a little bit quicker that way. Um, but yeah, no, I just found it all to be uh, fairly linear. So it didn't make much difference to just charge the bike up fully. Right. And, and, and that, that's the same experience. I'm interested in this because... 
I've got, you know, I work for a monitoring company. You would expect I would have a monitoring system at home and can monitor my bike and, and I watched it very, very closely, particularly when I got it. Uh, and it is almost a dead flat charging curve when you're using the onboard charger. It's one, one and a half, one point six 1.6 kilowatts and it's pretty much dead flat from start to finish. There's not really a ramp up. There's not really a ramp down. It's all pretty quick. Very different on fast chargers though. And I've had a couple of conversations with fast charger manufacturers on the show uh, previously about the way that, different charges behave and also the way different vehicles will allow the charge to come into the vehicle what was your experience on the dc fast charging firstly and i guess how how much were you fast charging versus slow charging yeah so so i'll do the second question first like that how much i reckon uh half the distance was fast charge and half the distance was slow charge right um, it's probably yep. that um yep. the the fast charge when i went testing it would, it was, I saw it sort of fairly linear all the way up to that 90, 95% full. Um, wow. And when, but then, I, and I'm glad you mentioned this because when I was on the road, I actually thought, oh, this doesn't, well, after, I mean, I did one, two, uh, probably, probably eight fast charges on this trip. Mm-hmm. And, and I did notice that wasn't always the case, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a big, I'm only talking about 45 minutes, maybe it's 43 or 48 or something like that. It's not a big mm. enough difference when you, you, you've got a coffee in your hand and uh, you're getting ready to do your next leg. So in all, in practical sense, it was linear for me. Yeah, got it, got it. And and, and tell me this, and I've experimented a little bit with this as well. Do, you know, do I go from 100% to 5% or do I go from, you know, 25 or 30% to 80 or 90% and just, you know, do shorter, more frequent charge stops? What what were you doing? Yeah, so I was I was trying to get as large a leg possible, but it was all actually geared around the fast charger route. So my whole route was based about staying on a, a route that I could get to a fast charger. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when, when so it, we we mentioned this earlier. When, when did you hit your first fast charger? There's not many fast chargers around Lake Eyre, right? No, no, there's not. It was not till I got to Berry. Berry, maybe so it's like five, six hundred k. No, a bit from more, maybe seven fifty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Was, okay. Uh, so yeah, slow. That's a nice. That's a nice gentle build up to the pace of the trip. Right? <laughs> I, can yeah, ima- but, I can imagine it. Yeah. So doing 100, 100, 150 then you're stopping for 45 minutes to charge up so again it's not that sort of really hard pace you're still really comfortable and then you're engaging with the locals talking to them uh, everyone comes up to the motorbike that, that's another thing but so um yeah so the first one was berry that was really funny um i plugged it in uh, and then this guy comes running over really trying to be helpful tell me no 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 um you can't park your motorcycle there that's for electric vehicles only <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, is that a cable? <laughs> so it I was, love it. And then, then a nice long chat with him for 15, 20 minutes and other people yeah. came up, yeah. People's minds are blown when they see the the Harley Davidson logo and they realise that it's electric. It's just like you see the cogs turning in their heads, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mate, we better stop and take a break and uh, just hear a quick word from our sponsors. We're all looking to do our part in reducing our impact on the planet and buying an electric vehicle is a huge step towards minimising your carbon footprint. However, most of the electricity that powers your electric vehicle comes from fossil fuels, contributing to climate change. Iron Blue is here to change that. We allow you to offset your car's electricity usage with clean and green renewable energy. Our low-cost subscription is quick and easy to set up. Iron Blue will calculate your vehicle's annual grid electricity usage via a simple questionnaire. 
Then, we will acquire an amount of Renewable Energy Certificates, or RECs, which represent this equivalent energy usage sourced from 100% renewable energy projects, such as solar and wind. This means your vehicle's use can now be completely carbon neutral and support a renewable energy future. At Iron Blue, we're excited that this future is not far away. But in the meantime, we are here to help. All right, we're back, and uh, what a what a fantastic trip I've been having. I feel like I've been going along on the road with you, mate, and and you know it's, it sounds like a wonderful, wonderful way to do a road trip. D tell me, were there any moments where you thought, oh, I've bitten off more than I can chew. I'm not going to make it. Um, yeah, there, there was a couple of those. Was um, One was uh, I got to um, Ichuka and the charger didn't work. And out of that, so I've got eight, eight uh, fast chargers, not a problem anywhere apart from a Chuka. Yep. Um, and uh, there I thought that the bike was coming up with an error. I called up Harley Heaven, who were great. They then, there's Adelaide, called up Harley Heaven Melbourne. They called up Harley Heaven Melbourne and Sydney and called up Harley head office to start really looking at it and seeing what they could do. The local cafe said, oh, just bring your bike in here. We'll put it on slow charge while you're trying to sort it out. And I was yep. quite a disturbance in and out, you know, trying to test this charger. The charging company, uh, that was a bit of a different story. They, they started saying it's not their fault. They'll put it in a report, all this kind of stuff. Mm. After two hours, discovered it was their charger. They'd known about it for six weeks, and they hadn't uh, updated their website to show it wasn't working. Uh. Um, but it's, it's, so then then the next leg was more than my range. I think I had to do uh, around 85, 90 Ks, and I was showing yep. about 65, 70 on the bike. Yeah. Um, so I took that super slow, got there, which is no yep. problem, into Shepparton. Uh, and then because of that, I then had to take another, I'm now off my route, another leg. But that was 150 k's on dirt. And it was brilliant. It was Ooh. absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I've only done one dirt leg on my bike. And I was, it's a, it's a fairly heavy, sporty kind of bike. It's not built for the dirt. But the power delivery is so smooth as you said earlier on before they're actually very rideable on the dirt aren't they yeah yeah exactly look, look it's not a dirt bike that's totally right <laughs> you're aware it's heavy yeah. um but yeah you're right that that ease and you're not having to worry about which gear you're in as you're yep. coming up with stuff um yep. yeah no very easy to 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 use in the dirt yeah yeah nice okay so a couple of couple of little minor disasters to deal with you've had to do some diversionary stuff uh um but you, you you're still on track um we're sort of you know two-thirds of the way through the trip now we're, we're heading towards the run to the finish you've overcome some some obstacles if i'm not mistaken you would have had to start hitting some serious climbs in elevation by then uh, <laughs> that leg i just talked about uh, yep. It was so much fun. I then charged it up at, uh, I think it was Albury. I'm losing a bit of track here. And I then, yeah. or Donga, that's right, it was in Wodonga. Um, yeah. I then had to go out to Kuryong. It's about a, it's about a K climb. Um, yeah. But I was on such a high from that thing. I was going for it again on the bike. And, uh, <laughs> and it was on the flat. And then I'd used up 50% of my charge. And suddenly I hit the, uh, the climb. And that was uh, a little bit stressful about whether I was going to get to the top of that. Uh, but again, got there no problem. Um, nice. Yeah. Then, then the next step was uh, up to uh, Threadbow and down to Jindabyne, and then that, that's the last charge, and an easy sixty k run up Mount Kosciuszko. Wow! Wow! And how did it feel when you got there? Did, did it was like oh, no, it absolutely. <laughs> we're we're elated. It is just so good. 
Yeah. And it started snowing as well after I just oh, got there. Wow. Stuff like that. It was a, it was a really good feeling. Um, we're all really, really ecstatic, really stoked. I, I bet you were. I bet you were. And and I, did, I I meant to ask. No problems along the way. You know, no no. You didn't have any problems with the bike. You mentioned one little glitch, but that was a charging glitch. Nothing else went wrong. The the only other thing went wrong. I, I, I took it in one of the slow charging spots. Uh, mm -hmm. We got there at night, and I couldn't find a place to charge the bike up out, outside. So I brought it into the room to charge up. And as I did it, I dropped it. And I'm really gutted oh. about that. Yeah, I was on it as well. And, I'm, uh, and I still can't work out how I actually did do that. And I broke the indicator. But it landed oh. on carpet. So no scratches or anything like that. Just the indicator broke. Brilliant. So that's the only other thing. The yeah, no, the thing. bike's oh. super reliable. Absolutely no problem all the way through. You know, it's amazing. There wasn't one hiccup. No, oh, wait a sec, the, something else has gone funny or I've got to restart it. It just it just worked the whole time. Just just did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere that you that you had some experience with kangaroos as well. And I, I've certainly had this, but where wildlife doesn't hear you coming on an electric uh, bike, right? So, so one of the best rides, and, and people listening to you may know about it, was the Alpine Highway. Uh, so that's from Kuriong through to Jindabyne, and it's a beautiful ride through green. It's really green, full of trees, kind of forest area beautiful tarmac, windy roads, um, yeah. but lots of roos. And uh, what we discovered is I'd come up to it and the, the car following me would, would come up behind me and the roos would bounce off. But I then tried it a couple of times, just wait back, I'm just gonna go up. And the roos were just down the road and watch me. I could be on the road and them on the side of the road just looking at me. Yeah. That, that quietness of the bike, uh, the, it doesn't, it's, what is it, inobtrusive style of riding. Um, yeah. It's beautiful and you just sort of engage more with the environment. <laughs> Mate, uh, uh, very, very jealous. So, what's the um, what's the biggest? We're on the a uh, couple more questions. We're on the home straight now, mate. What's the biggest lesson you got from this trip? You know, what do you want other people to know about it? So, so it's so doable. I think there's a perception. Oh, I'm, I'm going north by 200 k's. Or I'm going the outback by 150. I've got to have a Land Cruiser. Or I've got to have this kind of vehicle. Yeah. Uh, I just want to get the perception. That's not not the case. I was in Swan Hill telling someone, hey, your car park here in three to five years' time will be half full of Teslas or electric vehicles. Yeah. And, uh, and he was saying, no, never, I'm too far away from Melbourne. Uh, the next day, I told someone that story, and they said, what do you mean? I've already been to Swan Hill in my Tesla. <laughs> and, and it's just getting that perception out there, changing that perception that you need to have these sort of cars. These electric vehicles can travel out there, no problem at all now. And like you said, the motorbike's got a small battery. The cars, I mean, the range really isn't a problem. It's not a problem at all, is it? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mate, um, a wonderful story. Uh, thanks so much for taking us along on your trip. Final question, would you do it again? Yes, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> would <Yeah>. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, hearing the, the uh, ins and outs of your trip, and uh, congratulations once again on setting a record, uh, Duncan. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Nigel. Well, friends, that's a wrap. My name is Nigel Morris. I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics and a little bit obsessed with electric motorcycles. I hope you learned something about the world of EVs. Thanks for tuning in and bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Ion Blue. Ion Blue provides 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Many EVs are responsible for significant carbon emissions because Australia's grid is predominantly fossil fuel powered. But for as little as $6 a month, you can clean up your EV. 
find out how, go to ironblue.com.au.